Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, it's my mom. Mama. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to our number two of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and producer Gabby Burke in for Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us across America and beyond on this Thursday morning, the first day of February here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Now, can you believe that Lent actually starts less than two weeks uh, from today and uh, this year, Ash Wednesday falls on Valentine's Day. So uh, do you want a transformative Lent for you and your family? All you have to do is watch Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass for bite-sized glimpses into every prayer and word from the sign of the cross to the final blessing. Get these free video lessons every day of Lent from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday straight into your inbox, sponsored in part by the National Center for Padre Pio. You can transform your 40 days with 40 lessons and with Father Rocky's weekly Eucharistic encounters at relevantradio.com slash Lent. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. On Thursdays, I always take a, a moment to uh, remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. And during uh, this period, uh, these three years of this Eucharistic revival that our bishops have called for. Let's try to visit the Blessed Sacrament uh, sometime today if you get a chance. It is a beautiful thing to do to just visit Jesus and uh, say a quick thank you, Lord. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be a long visit, but to just... The intent of uh, visiting the Blessed Sacrament uh, is a wonderful thing to do, especially on Thursdays. want to bring in our newsman extraordinary. Uh, Glenn, uh, what are a few of the uh, stories making headlines here this hour on this uh, Thursday morning? Well, apparently I've been promoted to a new title, so that's news. Appreciate that, John. Thank you. But uh, elsewhere, uh, some of the heads of some of the social, social media giants in the U.S. were in front of Congress getting grilled, including Mark Zuckerberg of Meta, actually offering John an apology. Yes, it was uh, it was quite uh, an, an emotional uh, session, and um, Mark Zuckerberg was there along uh, with uh, the CEOs of some of the other uh, big tech platforms uh, like uh, SnapX, uh, TikTok, and Discord, as well as uh, the families of the victims uh, who uh, unknowingly bought fentanyl off social media or have died or were victims of uh, eating disorders, uh, self-harm, and suicide be because of the harmful social effects of, uh, of of social media, basically, and so uh, these these families were all there on hand. And uh, as you mentioned, um, Senator Republican Senator Josh Hawley uh, pressed uh, the uh, CEO of Meta, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, and uh, it, it was uh, it was quite an exchange. Uh, here's uh, part of how it went um, uh, yesterday. Don't you think they deserve? some compensation for what your platform has done, help Senator. with counseling services, help with dealing with the issues that your your services cause. Our, our job is to make sure that we build tools to help keep people safe. Are you going to platform. compensate them? Senator, our job and what we take seriously is making sure that we build industry-leading tools 
to find harmful to content, make money. take it off the services, uh, to make money, and to build tools that empower parents. So you didn't take any people. action. You didn't that's take any true, action. Senator. You didn't fire anybody. You haven't that's compensated a single not, victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? Would I'm, you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? Was a little tough to hear Mark Zuckerberg there at, at the tail end, but he did apologize. Some people questioned just how sincere that apology uh, was, uh, but it was very emotional uh, to see uh, the images of uh, of those parents holding up uh, pictures of their loved ones. Glenn, can you imagine uh, losing your child uh, to fentanyl because of something they saw on social media? No, I mean, losing your child for any reason, horrible, just uh, just horrible. Now, there's a lot of good things on the Internet, too. We talk about news. My, my goodness, the access we have to news easily compared to how difficult it might have uh, used to have been to, to gather a lot of different opinions. That's one of the great things out there, uh, communicating with one another around the world quickly and easily. That's a great thing, too. But I think our, our use of the Internet has to be in conjunction with the, the real world, the 3D world around us, and not have that be the entire world. So we need to patrol what the kids are looking at, talk with our kids, too, about uh, what they're seeing, how they're using the Internet. Uh, you can use it together. I mean, I, I think of uh, when my youngest was uh, barely into her teen years, we would play each other our favorite songs, you know, on YouTube at one point, and that was a way to, to use it together. And so, I mean, there can be good uses for it out there, but, uh, again, uh, someone too young or almost any age left to their own devices uh, can find uh, plenty of bad things out there, too. And that's why uh, we as parents need to be vigilant and know what's going on, know what our kids are, are doing. Um, South Carolina uh, Senator Lindsey Graham said that nothing's going to change with uh, social media companies uh, until they're able to be sued over the material that's posted on their platforms. And he uh, called uh, out uh, Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, which, which shields Internet service providers from uh, being held liable for content users uh, postings. So um, time will tell if, if anything does change. You know, you've heard the complaint of, uh, you know, oh, that's why we can't have nice things, right? Uh, somebody's always wrecking stuff. And uh, then then there'll, then there'll be debates over, you know, who, who censors what's on some of these services. And where does it stop? You know, we, we would hope it would stop at things that would, would hurt kids, but then it, if it gets into censoring political speech, I mean, that can be a challenge as well. So it's not an easy solution, but it's good to see that, uh, you know, an apology was offered and uh, maybe a little pressure applied. Absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, in other news, uh, the House uh, passed a big uh, uh, tax package uh, yesterday. Yeah, the House has done the work. Uh, the Senate, maybe not. This bill would help more low-income families claim more money, and it would also let businesses deduct more of their expenses. Uh, the House overwhelmingly passed that legislation that was bipartisan. It would restore some corporate tax breaks, too, but it faces long odds in the, the Senate. 
where you need 60 votes uh, to, to pass anything. So uh, uh, we'll see uh, how that one goes as well. Um, meanwhile, t- today is uh, National Freedom Day, uh, Glenn. Yeah, in conjunction with Black History Month, uh, this is something uh, that got started back uh, in uh, the late 40s. Uh, in the mid-20th century, Major Richard Robert Wrights was born into slavery, and he was freed after the Civil War. He believed there should be a day when freedom for all Americans, including former slaves, was celebrated. He uh, invited national and local leaders to meet in Philadelphia to make plans to designate February 1st as an annual memorial to the signing of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution by President Lincoln that freed all slaves. A year after his death in 1947, Congress got around to passing a bill to make February 1st National Freedom Day. It was a forerunner to Black History Day, later Black History Month, officially recognized in 1976. Which is uh, what we begin to celebrate starting uh, today here in, in February. And it's a good reminder also of all the freedoms that we as, uh, as uh, U.S. citizens um, have, uh, freedoms that's so easy to take for granted, Glenn. Yeah, we can complain a lot, but uh, when you look around the world, if you really do, uh, we have it pretty good here. Uh, It's Black History Month, and it's also the month of the Holy Family, as uh, Gabby reminded me uh, uh, earlier uh, during the break. Uh, So this is a a day to... uh, to remember, and, and a month actually, to uh, to honor uh, the Holy Family of uh, Mary, Joseph, and of course, our Lord uh, Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe a few extra thoughts and prayers there as we may be, uh, you know, wrapping up a couple of nativity scenes uh, tomorrow on February 2nd. Yeah, a lot of folks have already done it, but uh, tomorrow is the traditional end of uh, the Christmas season, especially in other countries like in Rome, uh, where they'll be taking down all the nativity scenes and the trees and all the decorations. But uh, most folks around here have uh, already done it. Well, I've still uh, got the wreath up on the front door there and a few nativity scenes about, and uh, I guess it will be time here at the end of the week. Yes, and and don't forget, tomorrow is uh, Groundhog Day in addition to uh, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, so we'll be waiting to see what Puxatani Phil uh, has to say. Yeah, we're just going to run a rerun tomorrow, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very funny. Oh, yeah. what What a great movie, huh? (laughs) Absolutely. For sure. All right. As always, uh, thanks, uh, Glenn. And you are the newsman extraordinaire. Oh, man. I hope that fits on my name badge. Thank you, John. (laughs) You can put it on the resume. All right. We uh, we begin every hour here on Morning Air, always in prayer, uh, giving thanks to our Lord Jesus for all of the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, the Queen of Peace, as we continue to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine. We pray for peace in our nation, peace in our church, and peace in our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, and patroness of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every single morning. Wouldn't think of doing a show without asking the Holy Spirit for help when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Matthew 6.33. Our blessed Lord Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. The legendary NFL head football coach Vince Lombardi used to say, God, family, and Green Bay Packers. Uh, Even though I'm a Bears fan, his words are a powerful reminder. We need to put God number one in our life, then our family, and then our profession or vocation. The Lord needs to be number one in our life, and then everything else falls into place. So make Jesus the Lord of your life and make him number one. We always pray with great confidence from the chaplet of divine mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. As always, you can send us an email uh, directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. We need to take a short pause when Morning Air continues. Uh, Bishop Edward Scharfenberger, the Bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, will be with us to talk about uh, Lent, the upcoming Lent season, and different ways of almsgiving, not just our money, but giving our time and presence as well. So stay with us. There is uh, much more to come on this Thursday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Yeah. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Gabby in for Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning, the very first day of the new month of February here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can always send us an email directly uh, with anything you might have on your mind, any uh, story ideas uh, and anything that uh, you feel compelled to share with us. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, is 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Uh, That's triple Now, Lent is right around the corner with Ash Wednesday, uh, two weeks from yesterday. In fact, uh, Lent calls Catholics to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And many of us would like to prepare our minds so that we can enter into the Lenten season with a predisposed uh, heart, an open heart, open to conversion, uh, open to uh, sacrifice and uh, giving ourselves to God and to others. Joining us live is His Excellency Bishop Edward Scharfenberger to uh, talk much more about Lent and different ways of almsgiving. And we're not just talking about uh, money, but uh, giving your time and presence as well. Bishop Scharfenberger is the Bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, and a longtime regular contributor to Morning Air. Your Excellency, uh, thanks so much for joining us uh, this morning. It is a blessing to be with you once again. Good morning, John. And to say blessing for me to be with you and all of those who are listening. And and uh, I'm also praying to the Holy Spirit, too, that something that we talk about may touch the hearts of all of us in the way that God uh, so so desires to do that. So, uh, and I appreciate the introduction, too. Uh, you know, and it's true, we are on the eve of Lent. Uh, begins on Valentine's Day. Uh, some people have had a little problem with that, wondering whether or not we should I should give it, or somebody should give a dispensation from 
uh, from fasting on that day because it is Valentine's Day, but we do a Mardi Gras <clears throat> the day before, so maybe do an evening celebration of Valentine's, uh, observe it as a vigil. And uh, But it, it makes sense in a sense because we think of Valentine's Day, we think of a big heart, and Lent is really about love. It's about God's love for us and his desire to help us purify our hearts so that we can respond to that desire in his heart, you know, for ours. So it's a, it's kind of a, I guess, you you know, you mentioned the sacrifices. It's kind of a house cleaning, you know, a lot of people do spring cleaning at this time and get rid of the cobwebs and the dust and, you know, the stuff that's uh, shouldn't be there that's accumulated. And same thing in our own spiritual lives, the things that are doing us no good that are standing in the way of us seeing God, God's presence. So that's one of the reasons for our, you know, for prayer and penance. And as you mentioned, almsgiving. No doubt it is a, a type of house cleaning uh, in our spiritual homes. I also, you know, like to think of it, you know, being a former uh, athlete and a lover of baseball, I think of it, uh, of Lent as a type of spring training where we go back to the basics, uh, you know, the fundamentals <clears throat> of, of our faith. And uh, um, those uh, fundamentals include, obviously, uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, can, you, can you share with us just real briefly, uh, overall big picture, uh, the importance of, of those three? Well, uh, again, the uh, you mentioned the training, and I guess that brings to mind discipline. And uh, there is, it, it is, it's important because just by making uh, an effort or the desire uh, to take, you know, to follow one of those paths uh, towards training, towards shaping up, because all of them sort of do, as you say, like in spring training, they do help us shape up in a way they fine tune our ears and eyes uh, to listen, to see, to be ready for the uh, inspiration of God's grace. So all of them, I think, have that purpose because as you mentioned earlier, they're all God-centered uh, or should be at least, you know, uh, maybe that's a good way for us to be sure we are doing it properly. You know, prayer uh, seems a little more obviously centered on God, right? But not worrying too much about are we praying right, but focusing on the one to whom we're praying. And then, uh, obviously, uh, from fasting and from uh, uh, almsgiving, fasting isn't so much about a scorecard, you know, how well are we doing by giving up chocolate or or something else? uh, um, Or is it really something that we're doing to get our minds off of what is often a distraction, you know, uh, and sometimes... uh, uh, food and, and, and desserts and can be actually something that are uh, more important to us than other things, you know, that we do. But I like the almsgiving uh, in particular because, as you mentioned earlier, um, almsgiving definitely can involve uh, giving of, of, uh, of financial resources. So those that have the ability to do that, to be extra charitable, certainly is a good way of doing almsgiving. But you know, in popular culture, we say time is money, you know, because people make money by spending time on things that they make money on. And that could be for some, it might be speculation in the stock market, it might be an extra job, and it's all necessary, maybe. But uh, time can also be spent, uh, in, in a sense, uh, in, a, in a way that actually brings us closer directly to God. I'm thinking, for example, uh, when we think of almsgiving, we think of giving something to the poor. And uh, there are different ways of doing that. 
uh, just and there's different ways of understanding poverty. Um, poverty is broader than only financial challenges and financial penury, but it also can be a person who's in whose life they may be in poor health, uh, or they may be in poor health physically or psychologically. Um, so, for example, somebody who may have or about to undergo surgery. Uh, and may need a little time for recuperation after that, uh, spending time uh, in prayer for that person, perhaps a personal visit uh, while they're hospitalized, or perhaps uh, contact after the person is home during recuperation. Uh, a lot of people do this just spontaneously, you know, making a soup and bringing it over, uh, or just maybe a visit, maybe a phone call if the person isn't up to a visit, uh, but just spending time with uh, an, an ailing person or a depressed person. Maybe, you know, you know somebody who has been suffering depression. Uh, we know that's a complex thing. It can be due to many, many things. And sometimes it, could, it can be due to a trauma, a loss. But sometimes we, you know, we hear of the postpartum blues. You know, you get a, a, a hormonal change, you know, right? Woman experiences and sometimes after a birth, there is a kind of a letdown and, uh, you know, uh, not a bad idea to give a phone call or pay a visit and look at the baby or something like that. Spending some time uh, with somebody who is uh, um, going through a, a challenging period in their life. Um, the poor, uh, there's so many ways of spending time, even with those who are materially poor. But remember the reason we do that is because Jesus himself uh, so identified with the poor, whatever you have done for the least of my brothers, uh, you've done to me. And uh, uh, he has a special uh, uh, closeness to those that experience poverty and all that comes with that. So if we want to come closer to Jesus, uh, following his own invitation, uh, if we, whatever we can do, to bring ourselves closer in touch with the poor uh, has the potential of bringing us closer in touch with him. And that, you know, may be a, a, a bringing somebody something, you know, that is going to edify them physically, uh, to help, their, help them in their health, or it could be just spending time. And, you know, sometimes I think I've spoken before about my uh, missions in, in Mexico City where I go in this mission uh, called Hope of the Poor, where part of it is to spend uh, significant time with people that are uh, living in the, the most abject circumstances, you know, right on the dumps of Mexico City. And what is so transformative about that is not what we do for the folks, although they're amazed that we're spending time with them, but how being in their presence transforms, really evangelizes those who visit as well, because we see uh, the depth of their humanity, and not just as people in need, but people with hearts and souls and desires and, 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 and uh, hopes and tribulations, the whole gamut of being human. So uh, just a couple of thoughts about how we can broaden that concept of honest giving. 
You know, you you uh, were mentioning the words of our Lord, and there's uh, a, a few words in the Acts of the Apostles that uh, Jesus said that uh, I always remember, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I believe that our Lord wasn't only speaking strictly about money, as you just alluded to. There's many different ways uh, that you can give. So uh, it, it really is more blessed to give than to receive. I think that people are actually happier when they give than when they're just receiving, receiving. No question, because you, you kind of experience yourself as a, as a cup overflowing. And uh, it surprises us sometimes how that does happen, right? Uh, it, that feeling that comes from, from, from being generous. But, you know, it, it's, in a way, it shouldn't surprise us because what does God do all day long, right? God is constantly blessing, constantly showering us with grace. And uh, God is joyful. God is happy. Uh, you know, the, the most sublime act of our faith, salvation history, is giving of his own son, ultimately, for us, for our salvation. So uh, it aligns us very much with uh, the joy and the love in the heart of God. when We do that. And it, I guess it shouldn't surprise us that when we do the same, that we experience a measure of that joy as well. St. Paul talks about uh, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says that in Colossians 3.17. And that's a, a never-ending reminder that, you know, whatever we do, if we do it for the Lord, we're doing it for the right reason. I remember a few years back, um, Pope Benedict XVI uh, actually said uh, that giving alms should be done for the glory of God and not for ourselves. And that's something that I always remember. Exactly it, and uh, it's and it is actually for the glory of God. It done it, it done in that spirit that that uh, in doing so, uh, we want to encounter God in the poor and Jesus, who specifically identifies with them in His own humanity, uh, and uh, because you know we are an incarnate faith, and uh, we do believe that because Jesus took on human nature, there is something that has been made holy simply by his having that human nature. And when we uh, encounter the poor or the disabled, another type of poverty, we might say, uh, we're really encountering uh, a real presence of Jesus. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a wonderful way of doing that. And then it becomes um, something that fulfills the very purpose of Lent, which uh, is to bring us closer to Jesus and particularly uh, in his sacrificial presence for us. And uh, we often see that in those who uh, the world will marginalize uh, by bridging that, that uh, what is often a gap and, and bringing us closer to Jesus in, in his beloved poor. <clears throat> Oftentimes when we think of almsgiving, we, we think specifically uh, about money, and I think it's, it's always a, a good uh, um, moment to just think uh, the the reality that it's not our money. It actually belongs to God. So the, for those who are financially blessed, it's, it's something that they should always remember that uh, all the money that one has actually belongs to God. We're merely stewards of the Lord. Yes, exactly. Uh, there's a certain element of, of, uh, uh, of, leveling things out. You know, a lot of times we are aware of the fact that God's gifts are not always uh, shared, uh, you know, by everybody to the same degree. 
and uh, in order to to enable uh, others to experience that joy. I mean, if we are, for example, in a position where we are comfortable uh, financially or are comfortable even in our faith, you know, um, if, if there's a joy in your heart, and as I experience in my heart, that uh, uh, that we have this wonderful faith and that God is in our lives uh, and uh, that we have the living Lord among us, that's a joy to be shared. And, you know, that's what happened on Pentecost Sunday when when uh, the apostles were just full of the Holy Spirit and uh, therefore had to just had to tell it. You know, it's that, in that song that I love so much. How can I help but singing? You know, nothing could hold me back. How can I help but singing? And the song is meant to be shared. So uh, the song in our heart, uh, as we share it, uh, although there's some sacrifice of time, there's a great joy in knowing that uh, that it's shared and appreciated. Well, we've talked about uh, some um, some real practical ways uh, that we can use our time and talents uh, to to give alms uh, to the Lord for His glory and not ours. Uh, as always, really appreciate you being with us, uh, Your Excellency. Can you give us your blessing? Thank you, John. I, I call upon the Lord, uh, who loves us each and calls us each by name, to touch our hearts gently in a way we most need to be touched now by His grace, and that we may open our hearts to the blessing of Lent so that the Lord may lead us closer to Him, particularly in those who often are neglected and and who are poor, that we may be generous with our resources as God is with His, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Your Excellency. Really appreciate you being with us. Oh, my pleasure, John. You take care. God bless. God bless you, too. Uh, His Excellency uh, Bishop Edward Scharfenberger, the Bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, and a regular contributor to Morning Air. We need to take a short break. Uh, When we continue on the other side, our spiritual uh, director, uh, Father James Kabicki, will join us uh, to talk about the presentation of the Lord Jesus in the temple, which we're going to be celebrating tomorrow, as well as the upcoming World Day for Consecration. Life. So stay with us as we're headed down the stretch on this Thursday edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is Morning Air. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. Ooh, you gotta get up, up again. It's the first day of February. Welcome to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and producer Gabby in for Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app, our toll-free line. If you want to be part of the program here this morning, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888-914-9149. Now, tomorrow, February 2nd, uh, the Catholic Church celebrates the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, which occurs 40 days after the birth of Jesus, also known as Candle Mass. 
feast celebrates an early episode in the life of Jesus and is actually the fourth joyful mystery of the rosary. So the, the question is, why did Joseph and Mary have uh, to do that? And why is this feast uh, of the presentation of the Lord also called the purification of Mary? Joining us live is our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, uh, with much more on the significance of the presentation of the Lord. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, a retreat director, and a spiritual director at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and a longtime relevant radio contributor with his daily prayer reflections, as well as a longtime contributor to Morning Air. Good morning, Father Kabicki. Uh, happy first day of February. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's a joy to be with you again. Well, thank you, John. Good to be with you and our listeners as well. And uh, yes, happy first day of February. And I hope our listeners are um, aware that tomorrow is the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus in the Temple. Many people uh, think of it as Groundhog Day, yes. but it's the <laughs> feast day for us. Yeah, we and it's and the reason we celebrate. We, we, we celebrate the feast, and we also have a little fun uh, with Puxatani Phil on Groundhog Day. That's right. We'll see what the prediction is going to be for the rest of winter. Um, but this this is a beautiful feast, and it's celebrated 40 days after Christmas because, according to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, 40 days after Jesus' birth, he was taken to the temple because of a, um, a part of the Mosaic law was that uh, women who had given birth to a boy had to come to the temple to be as it were, purified, that's the word they use, purified 40 days after the birth of a boy. But then he was also at that time presented to God in the temple, again, following the Mosaic law, which remembering the event in Egypt when Israel was uh, freed from slavery and the night before they were driven out of Egypt by the Egyptians the angel of death went through and killed all the firstborn sons except for those places where the blood of a lamb marked the doorpost of the Jewish people and so in remembrance of the firstborn males being saved by, uh, by God, uh, this is uh, an, a ritual that the Jewish people developed to remember that saving uh, act of God. And so firstborn males were presented, and Jesus, uh, being a male and Mary's uh, first and only child, was presented in the temple 40 days after his birth. And Father uh, Kabiki, um, th this feast is also known as uh, the Purification of Mary. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, that was part of the Jewish law that 40 days after the birth of a boy, uh, the mother was to pre present herself in the temple to uh, be purified, to be uh, admitted back into the, uh, the community. The idea was that in giving birth, uh, it was a bloody affair, and so blood was considered sacred, and also uh, it was something that made um, a woman ritually unclean. Now, Mary did not have to undergo this, but she was uh, being obedient to the law of, of Moses. Uh, she did not have to undergo this because her birth was a very miraculous kind of birth that did not involve the birth pains and the blood that is usually associated with birth. But the, the way I like to think of it is, you know, it's not as though Mary was dirty and unclean and needed to be purified, but we often talk about 
uh, the purification of the vessels that we use at Mass. So after Mass is celebrated, uh, after communion, the chalice, which held the, the blood of Christ, and the paten, which held the body of Christ, are purified, not because they're dirty, but because they just held something that was very sacred. And the purification is to make sure that none of the sacred elements of, of the body and blood of Christ are are lost as crumbs or as drops of his blood. And so uh, the vessels are purified. And if we think of Mary, she held the body and blood of Jesus within herself. And so there's a sense that we can say she was purified, not because she was unclean, but because she held the sacred body and blood of Jesus within herself. uh, Father, you could say she was literally a human tabernacle. Uh, holding our Lord Jesus inside her actual body. And it was because of that humility that she had that she made herself subject to the law of purification, even though she didn't really have to. That's right, John. And it's uh, good. You echo uh, Pope St. John Paul II when you call Mary a tabernacle. In his encyclical letter on the Eucharist, um, he said that Mary uh, was the woman of the Eucharist, and she was the first uh, tabernacle in history. And he said when he when she went to visit Elizabeth, her kinswoman, in the visitation, the second mystery of uh, the joyful mysteries of the rosary, uh, she was the first tabernacle in history, bringing Jesus, who is hidden in her womb, to be adored by uh, Elizabeth and her son, John, who was still in her womb. So it, it's really uh, very good to refer to Mary as a tabernacle. And um, the feast uh, that we're going to be celebrating t- tomorrow is also known as a candle mass. Again, can you share with us a, a few insights on, on why we call it candle mass? Well, we do that because in the, the account of the presentation of our Lord in uh, Luke's gospel, um, the one who receives Jesus to present him to God in the temple is Simeon. And Simeon has a beautiful prayer um, he had been; it had been made known to him that he was not going to die until he saw the Messiah. And so, uh, when he takes Jesus into his arms, he gives a, a, a prayer of blessing. He he blesses God. He says, "Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles." and glory for your people Israel. And so we have that prayer in which he recognizes Jesus as the light, not only of the chosen Jewish people, but of all people. He is the light of the world. And so it's appropriate that on uh, the, the day that Simeon recognized Jesus as the light, we would bless the candles that we use at Mass uh, and in other rituals, that we would bless those candles on the day that uh, we honor Jesus as the light of the world, because um, those candles represent Jesus, especially the Easter candle that we use um, for baptisms and funerals, and then, of course, uh, throughout the Easter season. And uh, tomorrow's Feast of the Presentation of the Lord and the Purification of Mary is something that we meditate on on a regular basis every time we pray the fourth joyful mystery of the rosary. 
That's right. And as we meditate, you know, I really recommend to our listeners that, you know, praying the rosary in a contemplative way, which is what St. John Paul asked us to do and encouraged us to do, and which St. Paul VI said that without meditation on the mysteries of the rosary, the the rosary is like a body without a soul. Uh, So for it to be a living prayer and a contemplative prayer, it's very important to meditate on the mysteries. And I would recommend that as we meditate on the mystery of Jesus being presented in the temple, each of us would think about how we want to present ourselves to God each day. And of course, the morning offering, uh, which we pray every morning at the beginning of the day, is one way that we present ourselves to the Lord and, as it were, act out in our own lives what Jesus, what happened to Jesus when he was presented as a baby 40 days after he was born. What a great reminder, uh, Father Kabicki. Now, uh, tomorrow, uh, February 2nd, uh, the Church is also celebrating the World Day of Prayer for Consecrated Life. Uh, it'll be celebrated in the parishes on Sunday um, and, of course, and on the vigil on Saturday night. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, back in 1997, uh, Pope St. John Paul II thought that it would be a good idea to honor consecrated persons. Now, what does that mean? In a sense, we're all consecrated at baptism because we receive the sacred chrism, the anointing. But a way of living out that baptismal consecration is to pronounce the three evangelical counsels or vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and to enter into a religious community. For example, my religious community, of course, is the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus. Um, Others are Dominicans, Franciscans, there's many religious groups of women. And so uh, St. John Paul wanted to, um, in a special way, draw attention to those who have the vocation to consecrated life and uh, to invite the whole church to pray for them, for their perseverance, and for vocations to uh, the consecrated life. And so he instituted this day, and he chose the Feast of the Presentation of our Lord, because that is the day you could say Jesus was presented in the temple and uh, consecrated to the Lord the way every firstborn male was consecrated by the Jewish people. And so it's a great reminder for all the church of the gift that God has given us in consecrated or religious life and those many, many different religious orders, congregations throughout the world that are continuing to be faithful to power poverty, chastity, and obedience, and witness to the Lord, uh, witness to the world, rather, the importance of those values versus the worldly values of acquiring wealth and uh, being sexualized in our, our hypersexed world, and also of, of being, you know, saying, I want to be independent and always make my own decisions, and it's all my choice. Well, obedience is a way of witnessing that, no, we are called first and foremost to be obedient to God. Want to open up our phone lines and bring in our relevant radio family, our listeners, as uh, we uh, honor uh, consecrated uh, persons this weekend, uh, this Sunday at the parish level. If you have any uh, religious uh, sisters or brothers uh, or priests in your family, maybe you might want to uh, give them a shout out. Uh, If there's somebody that you'd like to remember uh, that may have played an important role in your life, we'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls 877-381-3811. 
for Father James Kabicki at 888-914-9149. Father Kabicki, um, was there any uh, priest or or religious that that played an important part uh, in uh, your uh, vocation to the priesthood? Oh, most definitely. I I would not be a priest. I would not be a consecrated person in the Society of Jesus were it not for the Jesuits at the high school that I went to, Marquette High School in Milwaukee. And one particular person was Father John Egan, who um, took me and five of my classmates, a juniors about to come seniors on a camping trip. And for two weeks, we uh, were in the beauty of God's creation around Lake Superior. We celebrated mass together. We prayed the rosary as we traveled in the car. And it, it made a big difference in my life. And, and it planted the seed that I would like to do for other people what Father John Egan had done for me. So uh, he is, is really the reason that I am a priest today. Did uh, Father John Egan ever find out uh, what happened as as a result of his influence on uh, on, on a young Father Kabiki? Well, certainly he was there when I entered the novitiate and took vows, and uh, later he he died in um, 1984. Uh, excuse me, 1987. Um, and I had been ordained a priest already for four years. I was the vocation director for the Jesuits of the Upper Midwest, and uh, so I, I used to see him from time to time, and um, we would get together. And I, I think he 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 was one proud that that I had followed in his path and became a Jesuit priest, but also that I was serving our province as a vocation director at that time. Well, I, I think back uh, to uh, all the Benedictine monks <laughs> that kept me in line uh, during my Marmion Military Academy days in high school, and I'm, I'm so grateful to all those guys. They were a little tough on me, but those seeds of the faith, being able to go to daily Mass was such an important part, and I may not be here today talking to you, Father, if it wasn't uh, for those Benedictines. Yes, and and that's why, again, you know, Pope St. John Paul wanted us to honor all those people who are called to this vocation. And usually he issues a message, but of late, Pope Francis has been using his homily on the Feast of uh, the Presentation tomorrow as uh, his message for the World Day of Consecrated Life. So we don't have his message yet for this year. And tomorrow at 5.30 in uh, St. Peter's Basilica, He is going to be celebrating Mass with about 300 uh, religious consecrated persons from around the world who are meeting uh, to discuss the theme, Pilgrims of Hope on the Path of Peace. And uh, they're going to be talking uh, for about three or four days about this theme as a way of preparing for the Jubilee year 2025. And I'm sure over the course of the next year and a half, John, we'll be talking a lot more also about preparation for that Jubilee year. Uh, No question about it. And you just never know um, how the Holy Father's message may touch somebody's heart uh, if uh, if that message gets out, uh, you know, to 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 the masses and, and somebody is listening. You never know what exactly uh, it takes to inspire somebody to become a priest or religious. 
That's right. You know, it's certainly the example of good holy families that uh, are faithful to the sacraments. That's the key. And also encouragement that if any ch- uh, child says, I would like to become a sister or a brother or a priest, that uh, they would not be frowned upon or shamed, uh, made fun of, but that they would be encouraged to follow such a vocation. So, John, it's it's important as we pray this weekend and tomorrow in particular that we pray for more vocations to consecrated life. Father, can you leave us uh, with your blessing? I'm happy to do so. The Lord be with you and all our listeners and families, and may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As always, uh, really appreciate you being with us, Father Kabicki. Uh, Thanks so much. You're welcome. Goodbye. Father James Kabicki, uh, Retreat Director and Spiritual Director at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and a longtime relevant radio and morning air contributor. And now it is time uh, once again for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Too Fast, Too Slow, and Just Right by Joseph Mazzella. One summer day when I was a little boy, my mom, dad, and brothers were away, and my nana was busy watering her flowers around her house. That left me alone inside with my mom's old record player. It had three speeds on it, 33 and a third, 45, and 78 revolutions per minute. Each one was designed to play a different type of record, but my childhood curiosity was making me want to see what would happen if I played some records on the wrong speed. My mom didn't have any 78, so I took a 33 out and set the switch on the side to 45. What came out was hilarious. The music was going super fast, and the singing sounded like Alvin and the Chipmunks on amphetamines. After a minute, though, it lost its charm, so I took out one of Mom's 45s and set the switch back to 33. What came out was painful to listen to. The music sounded like it was being dragged through the mud, and the singing sounded like miserable moaning. I quickly switched the speed back to where it was supposed to be, and I listened with a smile as the beautiful music came out just right. Sometimes my prayers remind me of that incident with the old record player. Sometimes I'll rush through my prayers as I rush through my day, hoping God will hear them as I hurry along. But in moments of great pain and suffering, I'll pull the prayers out of myself slowly and miserably, hoping that God will heal my soul. My prayers are the most beautiful and effective, however, when I take the time to say them peacefully and happily. They bring me closer to God, warm my heart, and fill my life with thankfulness, love, and joy. They're like having a talk with a dear friend who loves me, and they help me to sing my own life's song. May all your prayers be just right. May they help your heart to sing. May they fill your soul with thankfulness and joy, and may they always help you to love. From Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Great reminder about the importance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. We invite you to pray and watch the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky and Maggie, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it uh, for this uh, Thursday, February 1st, 2024 edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverance, uh, producers Gabby Burke, uh, Young Thomas, our entire Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Friday on the next Morning Air for the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.